Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, Glory family, you guys can have a seat. It is, it's really good to be with you. Uh, I was telling our huddle this, and my wife already spoke it a a bit. This is actually the first spring that we've ever been able to meet as a church. Normally, the the weather gets all nice and sunny, and we have to go back to home because uh, uh, we either have to leave the YMCA or our first year, the pandemic hit, and we're like, what is going on? But this spring... I get to see your faces, and that's really exciting. Uh, year two, it, it just took two years to do that. So uh, you never know what God's going to do in two more. Uh, but I am so honored to be with you. I, I mean it when I say that I don't know where you've been, but I do know that the Lord has a beautiful work of intertwining moments where he speaks. So I'm sitting in the belief that what I have been praying over, um, you, uh, those of you who I don't know, and those of you who I were hoping would be here with me this morning, uh, I, I'm believing that what I've been praying over will speak, will land where it needs to, um, and I'm excited for that. And so uh, we're actually, whether you are new with us or maybe have been with us for a while, we're in a series all about spiritual growth. Uh, which has been really fun to work through. And uh, the series all about spiritual growth has sort of traveled in and of itself, like ongoingly so. And uh, this is week five. And I'm excited to sit in week five with you. But if you are new, please know, like, you didn't have to hit or be present with any of the other weeks in order to sit with us today. Uh, so I just want to, like, give you a little little update of what, where we've been. It's, a, it's all about this idea of growing in the Lord, like, taking what he's called us and, and actually living it out. And so week one was about knowing God, right? Let's, let's just dive into this idea of who God is. Week two, if we're going to know God, we're going to learn that he's actually going to speak. And so week two is all about hearing the voice of the Lord, both in his word, through his spirit. Week three, we talked about this fun little paradox of freedom, how uh, I am, I will be the first to say as your pastor, I am a man who is made free by the blood of Jesus. But the paradox of freedom is I still don't believe the amount of freedom that I've been given. Anyone else? Like, I still act like I'm not free at times. And so we talked that week about the the paradox of freedom, the push and pull, that I'm a man made free, but yet I also need to grow in the belief that I am free. And then last week, if you were with us, we took this, this biblical definition of repentance, of what actually, how do we ongoingly grow our relationship with the Lord? Like, a, it ha, like we, how, do I, how do I take ownership of things and let the Lord mold me and grow me? And so it has honestly brought us all the way to this week, where uh, this week and next week, we're diving into this fun word, a little spoiler, Dalton already gave it to you, the word purpose. We're diving into purpose this week and next week, and I'm excited for it. Um, because when we talk about purpose... The world likes to interject their ways a lot uh, on the word calling or the word like what you're meant to do or who you're meant to be or what your identity is. The culture's really good at giving you that. Um, but we're going to sit in the next two weeks on what the Lord's purpose is for us as individuals, as people, but also as a church. And so I'm really excited because um, one thing that I know to be true is when you start trying and striving to know the Lord, 
and you have him and you want to grow in your relationship with him, you will inevitably hear him. And when you hear him, he's going to challenge you to change some beliefs. And when you change some beliefs, right, you live in freedom. And when you start living in freedom, he's going to start saying, hey, this is what I've called you to do. You'll start understanding, discovering purpose. And I'm really excited uh, because I love teaching purpose. I really do. I love teaching purpose. My personal, I have like a little mission statement for myself. Uh, I get a little nerdy about it, but I have a personal mission statement. I want to genuinely love all people as I walk with them, as they uncover who they are in Christ. And I've ever since college, when God got a hold of me, that's been it. Like I love walking with people as they uncover who they are in Christ. Like that's just my, my joy. And so purpose is a fun topic. I love it. Scripture is also full of words that grant, bestow, gift, bless us with purpose. And I'm so excited to dive into this, but when I do, we're going to open up, if you will, like we're going to get into, into chapter four of Ephesians. Um, but before we get there, we're going to dive in a little bit to First uh, Corinthians. And so be prepared for that little uh, Bible jump. All right, we will get there and I'm excited, but I have to let you know on something because though I love teaching purpose, the world loves teaching purpose. They do. I mean, that's why personality quizzes are so huge and we gravitate to them. Like, I want to know my personality. That's why we, we gravitate. I want to know who I am. The world is all about, like, teaching, a, you want a self-help book? Like, know yourself. The world's all about, like, let's, let's gravitate. Let's show them who they are because that's what matters. The discovery of self. Uh, when you're in high school, do you remember you're graduating and what is the number one question that everyone asks you? What are you going to do with your life? Do you remember that? Like, where are you going to go to college? Uh, what are you going to major in? And you have to deal, like, they push purpose, calling, and it's this self-discovery kind of thing. But it's interesting because I think it's deep down, as we get into the text, deep down the world knows that there's something deeply unknown about ourselves right? There's just something deeply unknown, a mystery in us. And so the world, I mean, philosophy has, has been like, oh, let's pursue this understanding of who I am because everyone feels it, the deep uncertainty of who we are. But in Christ, it's really beautiful. Paul says this in Colossians. Uh, he says, I became hey, the, the church's servant so that I could make the word of God fully known. And see, what we discover in the uh, faith is that the mystery, the unknown in us actually has nothing to do with us at all. Why? Because what is missing, he said, I, there's been a mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages, but now it's being revealed to the saints. In fact, like I get the call to choose, like God chose them to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory. What's the riches of his glory? His mystery? It's Christ in us. You see, the world like, wants to fill in the gaps of who they are. Missing the one component is Christ in us. The, the, what is missing, what gives understanding, what gives beauty, what gives understanding to everything is Christ in us. So when I get into this, what we're going to understand is when I teach purpose, I have to start with this reality. Are you ready? It's not about us. You re you, do you hear me? Whenever I teach purpose, I have to start off with this reality because you're going to read 1 Corinthians and the, 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 the desire is to think about who I am because he's about to throw out a lot of gifts and you're like, well, where do I fall? What are my gifts? Well, it's not about us. 
And so then we're about to read like uh, Ephesians 4, and you're going to see all these gifts that the Lord has given. And the, the desire is you're going to want to figure out where do you place in it, but it's not about us. See, the mystery is the beauty that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And it's, it's powerful. It's not about us. It's about Christ. So if you will, open up to 1 Corinthians 12. Um, because Paul is writing this and the same thing again to Corinth that he is to Ephesus, which we'll open up to in a minute, that there is uh, one purpose. There's one calling. There is one meaning. There's one purpose of your life. And if I could just speak something over you, did you know that you have a calling of your life? God has given you purpose and value and meaning, but we have to start with the reality that there is one purpose in the Christian walk. Not a whole lot of them. There's one purpose with many layers. And so I'll tell you, like, as a pastor, my purpose in life is the same as your purpose in life. Like, as a man, as a dad, as a husband, my purpose in life is the same thing as your purpose in life. And yeah, there's little layers on it, but listen to the lure The lure is to desire and to know the layers of your purpose, what your gifts are, as if they are as much of value as your one purpose, to make Christ known. And so I'm excited to dive into this because he's writing to a church who um, is busting out of the seams. Really, they're growing Corinth, and they're starting to prophesy. People are, starting, are speaking in tongues, and other people are really confused why someone's blabbing in the back, and, and they're just struggling. They are. They're, there's a lot. There's people standing up to exhort, and they're like, who are you talking to? There's a lot of confusion happening in Corinth, and uh, Paul says this. He said, I just need you to know that there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety of services, work that you can do, ministries that you can be a part of, but there's the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, of work that you could do to step into, but the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each is given the manifestation, Paul says, of the spirit for the common good. Maybe yours says the well-all, the welfare of all, that, that, that God has gifted us, yes, but the purpose is not us. It's for the common good. The purpose is for the body. And so we'll get into this more, but I I just, I will tell you right now, often uh, we want to know who we are as if it's opposite of the people of God. And so we'll get into this a bit, uh, but I want you to write this down. Here's a little separate. In Christ, we have a few things. Uh, We have a united general purpose, right? You and me have the same purpose. But through that, we discover our individual ones. And so whenever I talk about purpose, people want to know the individual, but don't want to submit to the general one. Does that make sense? People are begging to know, what am I gifted in? But they're not getting the fact that they're not gifted in something so that they can be gifted. There's a general purpose for the welfare of all. Right? Like when when Paul says, and he's about to say, you are gifted, Corinth, Like you're busting out of the seams in spiritual gifts, but you are operating in your specific purpose of uh, speaking in tongues, and it's confusing others. And if you don't have love, but you're prophesying, what does Paul say in the next chapter? You're like a clashing cymbal or gong, right? Because if it's obsolete, if if it's in a different lane than the general purpose, then it's no longer in the glory of God. Does that make sense? And so we often, like whenever we teach purpose at all, 
Our individual one is found within. It's found when submitted within. It is found inside. But Paul was talking to a lot who were operating and working outside of the body of Christ in their gifts. And what ends up happening is division, opposition to. What begins to happen is confusion. And so Paul tries to bring them back. No, no, that's not the purpose of this. I wrote this down, and this is just a side note, but if the pursuit of knowing and exercising me, all right, me as as Greg, if the pursuit of knowing me starts having a division between we, then my pursuit is no longer godly. Like if my pursuit of knowing who I am as a man starts then taking me away from the men of God, then that's no longer a godly pursuit. If your pursuit of knowing what your identity is, as culture defines it, is separating, is isolating, is putting a cat, like a huge crevice between you and the people of God, then that pursuit is not holy. You see, we like to say, I got, but I have these identity pieces, like my purpose is over here. But if it's causing division in there, then it's not a godly thing. You see, our specific purpose, this is making sense, will always fall in line and underneath the general. In fact, if you want to turn to Ephesians 4, uh, <laughs> if you want to turn to Ephesians 4, there is this covert lie of the enemy. And we're going we're gonna to read about the opposite, the truth. But I just want to be, make you aware of the covert lie of the enemy, and it's to lure the individual it is to lure the individual in pursuing who they are in Christ as if it somehow lies outside of the community of Christ. It is a lure. It is a lure of the enemy to think that you pursuing who you are in him, what your gifts are, uh, what your calling is, is outside of the local body. And now, now sometimes it's a legitimate thing. Can we just talk about how much like church hurt is real? It's real, Right? When you're hurt, maybe you were vulnerable and they didn't hear it. And they were vulnerable about what you're called to do and there wasn't a place for you. Anyone ever felt like that? And there wasn't a place for you. So what do you do? You start pursuing it outside of it. Like there's a legitimate reason to why we pursue our gifts outside of the local body. But if it's not benefiting the purpose of the local church, then we're no longer pursuing a godly pursuit. Is this making sense? Sometimes... Um, what you will see very quickly, sometimes it's just like I don't trust the church anymore. Sometimes they hurt me. Uh, there was an abuse of power. And so then we try to pursue our gifts as if it's divorced from the kingdom of God as defined in the local church. And it's just really destructive. We will feel isolated. We will feel hurt. I mean, think about it like my hand is worthless unless it is connected to the ligaments of my whole body, right? My hand is worthless, and my hand can't have a friend of hands. My hand needs the body, right? Like, my friend can't have the friend of hands. It needs the body. It needs the body. And so this is what he says in chapter 4 to the church at Ephesus. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling that you have been called. Now, we're going to like, I mean, you see, 1 to 16. This is one of my favorite ways to teach. We're just literally diving into this together. So I just want to pause on this, first, this very first thing. Anytime Paul is writing to a church, so any one of his letters, 
and you hear the word you, this is not you, all right? It's not talking about you as an individual at all. It's not talking about Greg as an individual. It is talking about you, Ephesus, or you, Corinth, or you, Church of Rome. There's this collective you. And so uh, what I need you to realize is this says, like, literally, I beg you, plural, as Glory Church, to walk lives, lives together a worthy, worthy of the calling. In the Greek, the word calling is singular. So in other words, I need you, glory, to live a life worthy of the calling, the singular calling that you collectively have been given. Is this making sense? So sometimes what we want to do is uh, separate this and you show me someone who's trying to live a life worthy of the calling that they've been called and they're trying to do it alone. And I'll show you someone who's living in timidity who's constantly still battling. They're battling alone, but they're also angry why no one's stepping in with them. Anyone ever been there? I have. Because if you try to lead a life worthy of the calling you've been given and do it alone, you will feel bitter. You will have resentment. You will say, I'm there for other people, but why aren't other people there for me? It's because you are called to lead a life worthy of the calling which we have all been called So you can't do it. You can't lead it. You can't walk it alone at all. It won't happen. In fact, like I wrote some things down, like uh, some of you like have been really feeling alone lately and you've been pointing at the church. Why are they not with me? And it's the opposite sometimes. Why are you not with the church? Why aren't you? They don't, we, we can't just know your issue unless you take the bag off and show it, Right? And so leading a life worthy of the calling that you've been received is so much together. I mean, some of you are really hard on yourself. When I wrote that down, I stopped and I praised. I I prayed for you. You're really hard on yourself. And the reason is because you keep thinking that you have to live a life worthy of the calling that you received. And it's we live worthy of together. You're really hard on yourself. Some of you are just very angry and untrusting of others. The only way to grow in freedom in your purpose is to do it together. And so he continues like, uh, I love it. Like he he says that uh, with all humility and gentleness, in fact, like if, if you see, can you be humble by yourself? No. Can you be gentle by yourself? Can you bear with people by yourself? No, but yet we still think like we have to do it alone. But literally the whole next section is all about how we respond with other people. He says, make, a, make an effort to maintain the unity, the spirit. You see, I've counseled too many people who operate outside of their church in their gifting and then wonder why it's not taking root. And the Lord is because I have a soil for you in the kingdom of God, but it's one, it's one that is so much more together. We can't, we're not supposed to operate in our gifts alone. We're supposed to submit them to people. I, to you, I submit my giftings to you. That's where growth happens. That's where change happens. So I I just will let you know, like though we've talked about individuals operating in their giftings outside, can we just also say that organizations can do that too? 
Some of you, like, the reason you were hurt by a church is because they started acting more like an organization than the kingdom of God. We all feel that, where, like, uh, there's a general purpose that no longer the people are following because there's no humility. I mean, this is a good, good display. There's no humility in that organization. People are not being gentle with one another. There's no patience. There's no bearing with one another in love. There's no making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There's no reconciliation. And so some of us, we, we've become accustomed to living in relationships with people that are not making every effort to maintain unity and the bond of peace. You see, that is honestly, you want to know what your purpose is? It's to make every effort to maintain unity in the bond of peace. That means you pursue, you speak a reconciliation message. You speak it. And so honestly, like, here's a little pause as we keep going. Uh, Some of you have, you need to decide to stop saying, God, what is my calling? Some of you need to decide to stop saying, God, what are my gifts? Some of you need to decide to actively stop saying, what am I called to do? And instead start saying, God, how can I be united with your people? Does that make sense? Some of you have been treating Glory Church like a place where you can uh, learn and then go. That's not, the, that's not the purpose of the kingdom of God. We learn and we grow. Like, we, we grow together. Does that make sense? You're learning and then you just think, like, peace out. I'll see you next Sunday. That's cool. But I will tell you, I will tell you that your inability to maintain unity with other people is really heavy on yourself. You feel it. You feel it. And so we are called to maintain unity. Stop saying, God, what is my calling? And instead start saying, how can I be united with your people? Because one thing will start happening. Same thing in my, my story of life. I said, God, I need these people. My mom has died. I don't know like what is happening. My mom passed away when I was a senior in high school and I need these people. A guy named Bobby John took me under his wing and I just did whatever, he was a youth intern, whatever he wanted me to do. Like I went with him shopping for, for uh, computers for the church one time. Uh, we, we, we cleaned the bathrooms of the building one time. I squeegeed on the floor. And I just like literally walking life with him shaped my giftings. It was nothing about me praying to the Lord in a closed room. What is my giftings? It was me walking with the body that I started saying, wow, when someone is like, lying to themselves, I get furious. And I like can't stop speaking the opposite, the truth. And as I operated with unity, I started realizing, wow, I gotta, I have gifts. I have gifts. But it continues because there's only one body. The purpose is the one Lord. The purpose is the one faith. And so as we continue, he he continues on, but each of us We're given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Don't read this section individualized. Each of us, we're given a a, a beautiful blessing, a gift. And he says, therefore, he said, now this is a little confusing. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. It says he gave gifts to this people. And then Paul likes this little aside, a little parenthesis. Hey, when it says he ascended, What does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? 
He who descended is the same who ascended above all heavens so that he might fill all things. Now, pause. He's quoting right here Psalm 68, 18, if you want to dive into that. In fact, there's a, uh, an Old Testament, like, very typical thing. This is a part of their culture, that when someone was victorious, you are going to connect it. You ready? When someone, when a king was victorious, when an army was victorious, they would reign, they would come into this city, and there would be this triumphant procession, like, everyone would be parading around, and what the king would do is he would take the spoil. He would take what he received. He, they would take what they gained from the battle, and they would start dividing it among the people. That's what he's saying. That when, when Jesus made captivity his captive, wow. When Jesus made slavery his slave, when Jesus defeated the enemy, he now passes around the gifts of the spoil to his people. Now, the reason this is so huge is it's not your individual relationship with Jesus in your closed closet room that has given you gifts. It's your participation in his kingdom that has given you gifts. Does that make sense? It's your participation. We got a gift, not because we knew the king, but because we were brought into his kingdom. That's very different, but it's also very beautiful because it also reminds me my purpose for the gift is for the kingdom. It's for the kingdom, it's so that his name is known and so that people can know it and submit and, and find freedom in this, in this kingdom. Some of you want the good things but don't want to participate with the kingdom. Some of you want the good things, the benefits of knowing the king, but you don't participate with the kingdom. That's honestly a very clear telltale. Uh, I was having a really good conversation with someone uh, this week. Kate and I had a really good conversation with people, and uh, she said, I started realizing that um, the holiness I thought I had was a secondhand thing. It was, uh, I felt goodness of God around his people. And when I would worship, I was fangirling. But then I would go back, and it would fade because it wasn't me. The Lord wasn't with me. And she said very vividly, it was really powerful. She said, like, I was pursuing Jesus as if he would give me exactly what my sins give me, comfort, like, goodness, happiness. And I saw him wrongly. It was a powerful conversation. Whew, it was so good. Uh, this person needs to, like, teach one day. Like, that was so good. Um, But then she said, but then I found him, and it was nothing about me at all. It was not what I could experience in a room. It was what I was a part of. Who's in me? Who's in me? You see, the gifts that we are given, and he continues, are that some would be apostles, some would be prophets, some of you be evangelists, and where are you at? And some of you uh, are pastors and teachers, and these gifts, the reason, the purpose of these gifts are that, he continues, to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, the building up of the body of Christ, until all of us come to unity and faith and knowledge. Honestly, some of you You care way more about your calling than you do to see if your brother or sister needs built up right now. Some of you care way more about your calling than the reality that there are some lack of faith. 
people in this room who are struggling in the knowledge of the Son of God, and they need all of us to walk with them. So you're like, God, what is my calling? What is my gifting? But you're neglecting the need of a sister who needs you to speak into her. Then you're operating outside of your calling because you're called to be with her, together with us. Now, the interesting thing is this isn't like a community type thing. But Jesus has set up very clearly what his kingdom looks like in a local sense is the church of Ephesus. What the kingdom looks like in a local sense is the church of Ephesus, that they do it together. It's not a, a friend group of people who are all the same, doing the same thing. No, it's a church, that there's, this, uh, there's, there's authority, there's giftings being operated, there's diversity, there's, 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 there's frustration at time, but they do it together. We got to leave beyond this idea of like my friend group and to operate with my gifting sometimes means to step into the kingdom, step into the kingdom and do it. Care for the maturity of the one that's across the room. Does this make sense? You're not going to understand the power of the kingdom until you care for the maturity of the one across the street, across the room. Like for real, we won't grow as a church if we just care about the maturity of our friends. Because it's not about us. Yeah, it's, it's about Christ in us. So he continues, the purpose of all of this is so that we would be mature. And he continues, what will happen after that is that we will uh, no longer be children. And I love, like what I said, I love looking at the plurals and the single of, of words. Like the children is plural. That apparently in uh, Ephesus, there was some people who are still drinking milk, like infants, right? Paul says this in another place, that they should be eating meat, but they're not. That's okay. Can I just tell you, that is okay that you're still drinking milk when you got teeth enough to eat. But what I will tell you is to pursue your purpose means that you will claim, I am no longer a child. Tossed to and fro and blown by every wind of doctrine, a doctrine, every teaching, every, every political party, every issue that happens in our culture. I won't be tossed by it. I will be united with my, my kingdom, the kingdom of God. Does this make sense? Because the church the past two years have been very childlike. We have getting very angry at culture, being tossed around to and fro by people's trickery, by, by craftiness. And we have not been able to speak truth and love, right? We have not been able to be humble and patient, bear with one another in love. We have not been able to be gentle because the point is not the doctrine. The point is the kingdom, right? Do you, do you, some of you, like, I'm not going to argue on certain things because the point is not the doctrine. The point is the kingdom. Are you and I mature together? Are we maturing together? Are we growing? Because the point is so that all of us would be grown in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Do you realize like I'm not the head? So I'm submitting to you as we submit to each other, as we follow him. This doesn't make sense. Some of like organizations that say follow one individual, they begin to act a little bit out of the kingdom ways. Because I don't need you to follow me, but follow me to follow Christ, right? Like, see through me. And so we have to see, like, uh, this is the point, is that all of us joined and knit together by every ligament with which we are equipped. We are equipped together. That's the beauty of it, that we begin working properly. We're not children anymore because we're promoting growth in the body. 
We're not children anymore because we're promoting growth. So do you want to know your purpose? Do you want to know your purpose? Like if I could just speak truth and love. You ready? Do you want to know your purpose? Grow up in him in every way. But are you ready? Do you want to know your purpose? Grow up in him in every way with us. Does that make sense? If you want to know your purpose, grow up in him in every way. Ephesus, glory church, grow up in him in every way. Some of you got to leave behind some of the small thinking that has separated you from the body of Christ. No, we grow up in him together. We grow up in him together. Practically, this means that some of you need to repent from your false belief about the body of Christ. The kingdom of God, yes, it's large and it's global, but there's a reason why the kingdom of God has been split up all around the world in little beautiful Ephesus, I don't know, beautiful uh, glories. There's a reason. It's because God has given us a specific purpose to fulfill in this city, not just globally, but in this city. And if you struggle to submit into this city, what is it talking about your struggle to submit to the kingdom? right? So when we say like, let's grow up together practically, it means that you need to stop this, dis- this disposition that you have about the body of Christ, where you think everything is just messed up and it's going to go around and everyone's going to show their evil ways. And it's just, it's the only safe place is with people I know and trust. No, we grow up in him in every way. In fact, I need you if I'm going to grow up. I need you if I'm going to grow up. And so like, practically, some of you need to repent from bitterness, from hurt, from distaste that you have. How is God asking you to stand with purpose with his kingdom? How can you step into that and mature? And then on the other hand, do I need to submit this? Do I need to let people in on this with me? Is this, is this, is this hurting my relationship with the Father, which inevitably will hurt my relationship with the Son, which will inevitably hurt my relationship with the Spirit, which will inevitably hurt my relationship with His kingdom? Like, it just, it just, it all falls together. And so as we end this morning, uh, have faith in knowing that next week we're going to get some fun, like, where do we fall in this. Like, we're going to talk about purpose and individual purpose. But one thing I do know is you cannot operate in that without understanding this, what we talked about today. And so some of us, like, I'm just going to pray for us. In this place, I believe that God is wanting to, to do something. This, this, this song of, uh, you know, light a fire, light a fire in my heart. Start this, this burning desire to follow you, to know you more. Like that cannot, Glory Church, cannot be an individual claim. It can't. Because as you get to know Jesus, you will get to know his neck, his shoulders, his arms, right? His gut. You will get to know his legs, how strong his thighs are to carry the weight of things. You will get to know every bit of it. And if you want to just know Jesus, the head without his church, then you don't really want to know Jesus. So God, I just pray right now that we would do an honest look at our heart. We would fact check ourselves. Are there beliefs that are leading me away from God's people? 
Is my picking and choosing what part of scripture that I want to submit to actually hurting my ability to operate in the kingdom? Or is it even claiming that I have no part in the kingdom? God, I just pray that we could be people who live together, unified. Gotta pray for healing. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.